We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. I'm Alex Hurst. You've got myself, uh, Rob Clothier, Adam Woodrington, and Norman Riley to talk to you today about Newcastle's brutal defeat at Cardiff City. Um, that's how it feels, or well, that's certainly how it's felt in the 24 hours since. Uh, in reality, it was a, a battling, I think we'll say, you know, you can think of some other words to describe the absolute horror show that that was, that game of football, battling draw in South Wales, that could have been so much more, so we're going to talk through all of that, uh, the merit of the performance, the point, how we see it affecting Newcastle United's season going forwards, and generally how we're feeling. Now we've all had 24 hours to calm down after... Um, Kennedy's attempt at a penalty. Um, we are sponsored by our patrons who pay £5 a month for about 24 extra shows um, for that. So thank you very much. You keep this podcast free. More details of that in the description of the pod and our social media at TF Weekly Pod. But lads, let's let's start things off. Rob, you went to Cardiff. You're just back late last night. Yep. yep. Um, you know, tell, tell us about your weekend, first of all. Can you trip? Yeah, it was a really good trip. Um, so I got the... I finished, finished work early on Friday. Uh, got the metro up to Central Station, straight down to Bristol, then over to Cardiff. Um, so my journey took from about 1 o'clock till I think I got there about 8 or 9 p.m. Got to the hotel about half 9. So, yeah, the journey was fine. Um, so it's quite nice to be there the next morning, ready to meet up with uh, Norman and uh, John and the other lads. Uh, had a few drinks in uh, one of the bars in the city centre and then made our way along to the stadium, which was about probably... 20, 30 minutes walk from the from the centre of Cardiff. Um, yeah, and we pretty much arrived at the stadium on, on kick-off. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, um, the stadium's like one of these new, what would it be like, so like what I'd think of Brighton Stadium or like uh, Huddersfield. Flat pack. Flat pack, I think is the term. <laughs> that, is the, term that is opposing ex- fans. In, fa- in fact, that is, the term, that is the term we used yesterday, I do believe. Um... And one of the first things that surprised me was, or struck me was, um, that the atmosphere, like from the home fans, was was quite flat. It was really low. Like I was expecting some, you know, vocal noise from the Welsh Welsh fans, you know, but it really wasn't like that. It was almost like an anxious kind of quiet, like around the ground. There was a load of noise coming from our end, but um, it was almost like they felt they were a bit nervous about their first home game, which which I really wasn't expecting. I think we talked before about we thought maybe their atmosphere would carry them through the game and uh, might sort of spur them on a bit, but um, really wasn't like that. Despite them having a lot of the ball in the in the first half as well, um, just never really came to anything at all. Norman, same question to you. Then uh, you were in South Wales yesterday. Uh, how was your day in the trip overall? Great, a great day. Really, uh, really enjoyable. Obviously, I would say. The match, um, the, the actual football itself was probably the the lower point of what was a what was just an excellent day out. Um, tra- the train journey in the morning, obviously the, the train that we were supposed to be on got cancelled, which meant um, waiting for a for another hour for a train. It was a kind of a, um, there were a couple of things went wrong. So the train was cancelled for an hour, and then the pub nearby that was supposed to open at half seven, we got there and it was closed for two weeks for refurbishment. Um, then we got to another pub at eight o'clock, and they opened up. We got in there, they weren't serving beer till ten, so it was just like, oh, okay, we're just. Which is destined not to drink at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> but um, we uh, we nipped into Sainsbury's, got on the got on the uh, quarter to nine train, and it was just a fairly pleasant um, train journey down. Just obviously everyone everyone looking forward to to watching the match, and everyone I think quietly confident. And um, that like, kind of that quiet confidence grew into a, 
a load of confidence after three or four cans, I should think. Um, and then making up a Rob in the city centre was brilliant. Um, great, great little bar that Rob found. Um, Cardiff's a, a really enjoyable city in any ways. It's a, a good place, and you know it's it, it's got a little bit of a feel of Newcastle uh, to it to me. It's just got a very kind of small town centre, but um, a lot of people in very very open, warm, warm place. Um, and and like Rob says, the the um, match itself or the atmosphere, at least in any ways, the BBC website um, describes the Cardiff fans as raucous, and I was. I thought to myself, was that a different match here? Because um, I didn't think that at all. I mean, maybe, maybe the noise cranked up ever so slightly after um, Hayden sending off, but um, I, I genuinely thought that. And don't get me wrong, obviously, my perspective was in the UN, but I thought the Newcastle fans were, were more raucous. Um, but all in all, um, and I'm sure we'll get on to obviously talking about the football, all in all, a, a really good day. And uh, by the time we rolled back into London at half seven, um, to say that I was ready to um, crash out on the set, he was an understatement. I was absolutely steaming. Nice little analysis there, thank you. Adam, come on then, let's jump straight into it. Let's delve in feet first, as Isaac Hayden did. Um, <laughs> how, how, like, how long did it take you to um, you know, get to a normal blood pressure level after the penalty miss yesterday? Well, I was in a bit of a unique situation, Alex, because I was actually hosting a family birthday party. So um, it was, we were kind of lucky to have it on the big screen in the first place. We had it on mute. Uh, I did I did turn the sound up. I turned the music off and the sound up for the last five minutes, though. And um, obviously, uh, there's a few distraught Newcastle fans in that room once uh, Kennedy missed. However, I had to pull it around quite quickly because I was hosting a party. So in a way, that kind of helped uh, to calm me down and see perspective probably a lot quicker than a lot of other people that would have been watching it on the TV. Um so yeah, that was that was my therapy. It was it was obviously very very frustrating, but <laughs> it's a draw away from home down to ten men. You know, it's I, I can't be too angry about this. So let's let's go, okay. We'll talk about some of the questions that have been posed by a lot of Newcastle fans on social media and posed to us as well. I have my own views, but I'm keen to get your views first. Should Kennedy have taken the penalty. There are a lot of suggestions that he'd had such a poor game that the penalty should have been given to somebody else. Your thoughts on that one, Adam? So obviously, he's come out. Rafa's come out and 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 clarified the penalty taking hierarchy. Kennedy was second uh, behind Richie. Richie was off the pitch, therefore Kennedy takes it. You could argue there is an argument to say that you know some. Some management, some in-game management could have been applied. Given, you know, was his mentality in the right place? Given the lash out, and you know, he's having a poor game anyway. However, how much confusion would that have created in that moment? That suddenly Kennedy, who is the designated penalty taker at that point, suddenly be stripped of it a minute before. That'll set even whoever that's going to be given to will be caught off guard. So, I think. Everyone knew where they stood with Kennedy. Rafa Benitez has obviously picked him as, we, you know, we don't see him in training. Rafa Benitez has picked Kennedy as the second penalty taker because he must lash them in in training. Like, he, he, if it was a Pardew or McLaren, they'll probably pick somebody to be penalty taker because they want to be that person's, that player's mate or something like that. At least when Rafa makes a decision, it's footballing decision and there's logic behind it. He'll know stuff about their penalty taking exploits at the whole squad that we will never know. So let's trust Rafa on this one. That's what was designated with, you know, without changing it, it made sure there was no confusion. Everyone knew where they stood. Yes, it was a terrible penalty. Yes, he should have done better. But I'm sure in training, he's lashed them in for fun. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I also think this this idea that Senior players like a Lascelles or a Shelby taking the ball off him, you don't know how he's going to react to that. I mean, first of all, I've seen Shelby take. Yes, it's unlikely Shelby would have taken as bad a penalty, but I've also seen Shelby take a terrible penalty for Newcastle at Hull and, and didn't score. Um, and you're right, he must lash them in and train. And that was a shocking pen. I mean, it's, it's a nice little debate that I've been having in my head this morning. What was worse, Hosselu's pen or Kennedy's pen? You know, we spend all the time on podcast kicking off that we'll never get penalties. Probably need to stop doing that because I'd have rather that I'd have rather that that game just finish before. If that game had just finished yeah. in like ninety four minutes, we'd be sat here talking about a good defensive performance and how we got better with ten men. And but but as it is, I mean, if you look at Spurs 
last week, say you take a point from Spurs and you win the game yesterday, with the exact same performances, I'm, talk- I'm talking about the ball going in the net, you know, Rondon's goes in and Kenny scores that pen, where like, I'm, I'm in town last night, I'm out, I'm like <laughs> drinking because we've got four points, it's been a great start of the season, and that's football, you have to score the goals, there's no point saying, oh, we could have had this, ultimately we'll be judged on by what we produce points-wise at the end of the season, so it's it's not... It's not okay to just say, well, well we, got, we came close to, to picking up four points in the first two games. We've got one point with a very difficult run of games coming up. That said, that said, you know, I'm like you, Adam. I, I can't get that annoyed about a point away. Admittedly, a very poor Cardiff City side. But time will tell how poor. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had people tweet us saying that they'll not get a, another point this season, mental stuff like that. And they're the worst team in the Premier League. Like, time will tell. They've got a game at Huddersfield next week. That's a big game for them. They're going to get turned over easy by Huddersfield. Then our point, even with 10 men, probably looks a little bit worse. But in terms of, like, back to the penalty, I just I just think that I've never I've never heard of a player not taking a penalty because they've had a bad game. I mean, I might be wrong if someone, you know, I'm genuinely interested. Like, if there are occasions where a designated penalty taker in, in the time people have been watching football has, has said, no, I've had a bad game don't give me the pen. I've never heard of that, so I think that's a bit weird. Sometimes players take bad pens. Sometimes they take even worse pens like Kennedy did. It can happens. I, can I just say, can we, we need to stop calling it a penalty miss. The penalty was saved. It was on target. You could say, well, that was a comfortable height and it was, wasn't was in the corner, but there's, I've seen plenty of penalties go in that were, were nowhere near either corner or straight down the middle and they've gone in just because the keepers... Like, look at uh, Jorginho's penalty last, last week. He did a jump and it... It went just, uh, as you're looking at the penalty behind Jorginho, it went just right of centre. Like, the goalkeeper stands up, he, he saves that easy with his foot. Jorginho looks like an absolute idiot. Like, we, it was on target. That was something that Cardiff didn't even manage throughout the whole game, get a shot on target, 12 attempts. So, Cardiff fans may mock Kennedy for that. At least he managed something that their, their team couldn't amass uh, in the whole game with half an hour with an extra man. Rob, from the away end, when Kennedy was stepping up to take the penalty, was there any kind of, oh shit, he's been really poor? Or was it like, he's going to score? I didn't even, it didn't even enter my head at all. Um, when he, you could see when he was sort of like holding the ball, putting on the spot, he, he looked uncertain, I would say. Um, but from my point of view, even though I was aware of uh, the poor game that he'd had, I just expected him to slot it in and uh, pretty much for the ref to blow the final whistle because it was that late into the game. And there seemed to be such a huge gap between the penalty being given and taken. I don't know if that was just me being at the match and not, you know, it just felt like, you know, from from celebrating the penalty being given, which I, I, I always think when I watch it on TV, don't celebrate a penalty being given because you can always miss it, which we obviously know. Um, but going from elation of the penalty being given to, you know, that then that, that sort of that, quiet came over the away end and to see him see the keeper save it it was just so as a lot of you know we do the match day podcast which is a podcast recorded before during after the game um, at every single Newcastle game this season Norman was on match day duty yesterday and I'd have absolutely loved to be playing for you right now the footage that he recorded (laughs) of a last minute winner but instead I'm going to play back to you um, Norman's uh, couple of you know the minute or so around the penalty um, so yeah, here it is. Here's a little patron, on, you know, sneak preview for non-patrons, um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about it after that. He's gonna score, you know. He's gonna score. He's gonna score, Holly. Of course he is. Of course he fucking is. Panenka, please, please, Go on. please, please, please let this shit happen. Please let this shit happen. Please let this shit happen. Come on. How are Kenny, son? You've got it in you. You've got it in you. How are you? got it in you. Come on. Fucking missed it. Fucking missed it. Fucking saw it happening, didn't you, when he stepped up? I, hope it, I just hope it doesn't know his confidence. That's all you can So, Norman, that was um, brilliant, <laughs> live, emotional. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Even though, obviously, it was kind of perverse, I enjoyed listening to it because it's just like... It was almost like being there in the away end with you and Robin and the other lads and lasses you were with. On Kennedy Norman, really interested because a lot of pe- people have been saying it's one of the worst performances they've seen from a Newcastle player. How did it look from the away end? Did he did it stand out that he was having such a bad game? He had a um, he had he had an awful game, um, and I, I'm I'm quite surprised that he wasn't hooked after about um, 
Well, you know what? In fact, I think if, if Hayden hadn't been sent off, then perhaps Kennedy um, would have been hooked at, at some point uh, five, within five or ten minutes of, of um, Hayden sending off because he was really poor. And obviously, you know, there's that statistic going around that he didn't, he didn't complete one successful pass. Um, his head just didn't look at it. Um, but the, the penalty incident... I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. There's the way of looking at it and saying, well, he's he's not been at the races. He took an incredibly poor free kick um, prior to that penalty as well. Um, and you can look at it and think, well, he's not there, so let's just let someone else hit the penalty. But the other side is, well, he's had a really, really bad game, but if he lashes a last-minute penalty and it'll do wonders for his confidence, um, and he's a professional athlete after all, and, you th- and you'd like to, I suppose you'd like to think that he... His performance during the game wouldn't have impacted on how he took the penalty, but obviously it did. And but the reality is, what is he? Twenty one, twenty two. Um, he's never had a full season in the top flight, um, and we can't expect him to be a world beat every week. And yes, he was really, really bad. Um, but to to see it's one of the worst performances I've seen by a player in black and white. I think that's that's probably just a, an immediate. That's probably just an immediate post match reaction by some fans. And obviously, we've now we've now got the. Um, the channel of social media to kind of, you know, vomit up those initial feelings that we have after a match without any kind of reflection. And then a lot of people might put a tweet out, and I'll be guilty of it as well. You put a tweet out, you say something really kind of harsh or reactionary, and then 24 hours later, like, what the hell was I doing? Think, what was I doing thinking that? It's just immediate reaction. Um, uh, my only concern, and I think I mentioned this yesterday, was that given, I don't know, just, just the impression you get of Kennedy, and if we think of the kind of um, the, the possibility that he may get a three-match ban as well, a retrospective uh, punishment for a, for a, a, bit, a moment of lunacy uh, yesterday, if you think of his mentality, my only concern is that this might knock his confidence. I get the feeling that he's one of those players who might need a kind of kid gloves approach. Um, and I, and I, I back Rafa to, I back Rafa to pick him up. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see the reaction well, we well, get. Well, Rafa came straight out and next kind of him defended him, didn't he? And in his post-match interview... And, you know, no one's right, you know, social media is off of this kind of thing. We've seen players like Hosselu get absolutely rinsed on social media when his confidence is low. And do you know what it is? We don't have a squad big enough to be able to just attack our own players because of one performance. I had Kennedy as, as man of the match last week at Spurs. I mean, looking at the amount of... T- he had the most take-ons on the pitch. This is Spurs uh, players included. Um... He was the most fouled against Spurs, and he had the most, he had the second most ball recoveries and the most interceptions as well. So you saw a complete performance from him against Spurs in terms of his defensive work and is is a you know his attacking threat, and you know to go from sort of hero to zero over a week. It, it, I mean, the vitriol that's been spouted up is is sadly um, indicative of what how social media is and how it can fuel this kind of. Uh, bile and hate it's just it's not helpful for us we we don't have the luxury of being able to rinse one of our most important players and then just bringing in somebody else because we th- th- there's very few people that would that would come in obviously if he's going to be suspended i'd like to see murphy come in but beyond that we've got atsu who hasn't, hasn't been uh, really at the races recently we can't afford you know i don't mind a player dropping confidence because of stuff that happens in the match but he, a player should not be losing confidence based on what his own fans are throwing at him it's just it's it's disgusting in my view there's a reason these players play for Newcastle so you know Kennedy is a flawed individual clearly I mean I'm, I'm far more disappointed in the kick than I am the penalty miss players miss pens players take bad pens it happens Matt Ritchie one day will miss a pen probably if we ever get any in the Premier League for Newcastle it wouldn't mean he's a bad player or penalty taker but that kick is unprofessional. We should have been down to ten men from the fifteenth minute or whatever it was. I can't remember when it was, but it was early. It was early on. Um, so and we might, half an hour, I think. Yeah, it was half the an Kennedy hour. Kick. And then we've got now a play with ten men, and then we, we, you know, I mean, who knows? It's all, you know, in theory. But if we could, he could have cost the team a point. The point we ultimately got might be important come the end of the season. Um, and I just think Rafa Benitez be so disappointed with him. And it, you know there was a way back for Shelby last season, but it took Shelby a long time to get back in the team. It took it was basically the new year before Shelby fully regained the manager's confidence. Um, I don't think Kenny's got that issue because he is, like you say, Adam, such an important player when he's playing well for the team. But that kick is um, below the required standard of of, of somebody who plays for Newcastle United. And, and I've got a question here from Carl who says, "Will Will Chelsea count as one of Kenny's suspension games?" Um, I think so, and the other good news is it's also the League Cup game against Forest, which he might not have played in anyway. Yeah. So there's kind of a bit of a blessing there because you'd think Rafa's going to play a heavily rotated side for that game, which is now on Sky. 
Um, you know, Atsu Murphy would have got games. And then it's Man City away. And if you think, you know, this is just me trying to be ultra positive. Man City away was probably Jacob Murphy's best game in black and white. <laughs> and yeah. he caused them loads of problems and scored a good goal. So, you know, that's maybe in... Has, hasn't the rules changed on the League Cup by any chance? I, I saw something where a red card in the League Cup wouldn't affect leagues. I don't know if it then works the other way around. Something to look for, people. I Not sure. I, I don't know. Not sure. Can, can, I just, can I just say, you know, while Kennedy is being absolutely vilified here, that... Isaac Hayden seems to have got off scot-free here. And ultimately, he his, his sending off ensured that Rondon didn't get on the pitch. Because there's, there's no way Hossley would have played 90 minutes. He hasn't got off, according to this podcast, next, next item of discussion. So we'll, we'll... <laughs> I, so, I sort of meant in the aftermath yeah, of, yeah. of social media. But yes. No, you're right. I agree with you. But let, just, just to finish on, on Kennedy really quickly, and that... That stat was a first half stat. It's been repeated a lot, like he didn't complete the pass because people kind of jumped in a bit. Well, it was a first half. He also had, I think, three shots on target in the game. Um, he, all, you know, he he seems to 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 want to hold on to the ball in very tight positions, and it's he reminds me a little bit of Ben Arthur. They're obviously very different types of players, but Ben Arthur had some absolute like horror shows for Newcastle, and also kind of created memories which I'll never forget as a fan. And Kennedy's probably going to be one of those types of players where it either works or it doesn't. And you saw him um, in the second half when he to win that free kick. He tried to do about like three pirouette turns, and he, there were there were passes on, so it was kind of frustrating. But ultimately, it led to something like a positive situation for the team. And I think we're going to have to kind of accept that as a as a young player who's who's not played that many games in the Premier League. It it is going to be part of the part of the learning process for him. And and he came in last year and, and was a very focused, settled team. He came into we're a bit all over the place really in terms of this. You know, you look at the team that's playing now, you might see three or four different players in come a couple of months' time. So I'm certainly think Kennedy's one who's who's worth persevering with. However, that brings us on, Adam, to Isaac Hayden. And um, I wish Ben and Sai were here because you've probably all thought the same, but when Isaac Hayden came on in the second half, I just went, bad call. Because he's too rash and he makes too many sliding challenges in midfield. And it's fine when it's in the middle of the pitch and you can get one booking for a pretty bad, like, orange one. I literally said these exact words to the lads. Um, and... I said you can't get away with it in the final third. Now, as it happens, it was actually in midfield that he got the the red card for. But I mean, Mankio was. It, we're going to talk about Mankio in a bit, but he'd gone off injured, and it looks like he could be out for a little while potentially. Well, that was a really nasty challenge. There's another didn't even one. Get a free kick. Yeah. Didn't even get a free kick. There's, there's another one that I mean, you could argue the Kennedy one didn't, and that might even it out, does it? To a, to an, to an extent, um, maybe not as bad as Kennedy's lash out, but it was another example I mean you look at the, the Harry Arter kick as well from behind that was another one that could have gone punished it didn't um, who who? I mean what chance what choice did we have really we had Hayden on as our designated f- emergency fullback because we've had Yedlin's out mm-hmm. injured it's the only option we had yeah well, <laughs> and, unless well, you bring do you bring Fernandez on oh, right back the, I mean, the, we have got a question I'm just trying to see who it's from saying was this a little bit of a good advert for the three-five-two? Because that's what—that's how we went with um, Kennedy Murphy and playing three centre backs. Ultimately, when we went down to ten men, and we, we seemed to control the game a lot better. So, I mean, I'm just asking, I'm not saying it's my opinion, but would you know, having seen what we saw, would that have potentially been a better issue? I mean, Matt Ritchie on a booking probably contributed a little bit. And people have said, why did he take Ritchie off again? Well, he was on a booking, and he was going to have to play wing back. So that's why. Um, who came on for Ritchie? Um, I can't remember. Murphy, Murphy, yeah. Murphy, yeah. That's why Murphy came on, not because he's a better Murphy. wing back, but because Murphy. he's faster and he was gonna. He's not on a booking ultimately. Well, I, I saw that that third minute Richie booking, and the first thing I said out loud was, "Oh well, Murphy's getting on against his brother." Then he was he was guaranteed to come on once Richie yeah. got a booking. It was biz- it was absolutely bizarre as well watching two identical looking people. <laughs> In opposing yeah. strips, I think Neil Warnock took him off for that reason. Yeah. Like the other Murphy, because he was like, "I'm not having this. This is just yeah, yeah." But yeah, but I mean, going on, Rob hey, on, on Hayden for you. Does he does he have a f- again? I'm, I'm I'm maybe being as sensationalist as people saying Mankio should never play for Newcastle again. But I'm so disappointed with Isaac Hayden there because he's played a lot of games for Newcastle United. Yes, he's what 23 or something, but he is he's an established player at this level. And and to go and to go and do that, and, and it is a red card. That's one of the things you. I want to be able to sit here and say the fucking referee, and we've been fucked again. And no, I can't, I can't. It's a red card. Yeah, I've seen. I've again. I've seen loads of stuff on social media with people saying like, "Oh, that looked like a I don't want to be here 
tackle. Um, I don't, I don't believe that to be true. He's, he's too professional for that. He's, you know, he's fair enough. He said he, he has come out and he said he wanted to go for what was it? Per, um, yeah, family reasons. Family, family reasons, reasons or something. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he, there's no way he's going to go onto the pitch and behave like someone like Joey Barton or someone like that. He's just going to, you know, deliberately pick up a red card. That's, that's just ridiculous. Um, I, I, I did feel the same as you, Alex. When he when he came on, I thought I thought to myself. I mean, thinking. He probably is the only option really that we had to play in that position at the time. Um, he had played there before, it's sort of youth level, but he's really not an established fullback, and um, it probably was the, the, the occasion just got to him, I think. And what I, what I will say about that tackle is, it was a hundred percent red card. Right? It was, yeah, no, no bones about that. But it wasn't a malicious challenge. He's de- you look at you look at the footage again. He's definitely got his eyes on the ball, and he's definitely trying to. Um, rescue a hospital pass from um, Mutu, I think it was, and that didn't quite, well, you know, it was a poor ball to him. He had to try and uh, rescue that. He definitely did try and get the ball. It wasn't malicious, but yeah, 100% red. He's gone through his Achilles. You know, the the problem that I have now is that Hayden's he's, he's now suspended for three games, obviously, um, at a time when we're already short defensively. But you mentioned they're possibly bringing Fernandez on. This kind of brings me on to the general approach of the team. I think Mark Douglas said in a tweet that we're possibly, having seen Cardiff now in the aftermath, possibly were set up a little bit too negatively, according to him. And I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of a time that the fullbacks got over the halfway line in the whole game. And that's what I'm thinking, bringing on Hayden. Okay, but if he was brought on purely as a defensive substitution, um, when he wasn't going to, if fullbacks weren't instructed to get forward, didn't really have any good possession in the half of the pitch anyway, but... You know, would would if would if Fernandez have been a better if he was if he was solely a defensive sub, or do you think you know what Isaac Hayden played right back a couple of times last season? He's played there for Hull. He's played there for England twenty ones. It's the natural fit for you. Well, I, I, that's it. I think that's why that's exactly why he came on because he'd played that position before and nobody else on the bench had. It was as simple as that. It was an un, it was a forced change because Mankiw had got injured from bad challenge from a Cardiff player, so he probably didn't want to. Um, change the shape based on what, what, how the first half had gone because actually if you look at the first half we had um, I think it was in terms of possession fairly even but we had had six shots and four on target in the first half and, 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 and what we know about Rafa Benitez is a lot of the time he will feel out a first half and then sort of go for the jugular second half once he's seen those weaknesses to exploit he, he's often very cautious first half before he kind of knows what he likes to feel his way into a game and I think I, th- I thought that's what he was doing and I felt it nil-nil at half time they hadn't managed a so- shot on target they'd had three shots at half time by half time uh, none on target we'd had four on target so we'd had more shots on target than they'd had all together and I, I felt like as much as it was fairly even, we were slightly dominating in terms of our the chances that we were creating. So there's no way he would want to have changed that shape to accommodate a five-man defence when we it was kind of going our way. What do you think about Mark's comment? Then do you think that we could have set up a little bit more, um, you know, in an, in an attacking sense to take the game to Cardiff? Or do you think that the the way the game went was, you know, fair enough in terms of the way Rafa set up? No, I'd, I think had we gone gung ho, I, I think Rafa would be very, very aware that we lost at Huddersfield last season. And like I say, he wants to, he's, he's pragmatic and he wanted to be cautious and he wanted to feel the game out. And once he got that, you know, their their wingers uh, Murphy and Hoylet caused his problems, so they pegged us back a little bit more than we would otherwise have liked. I think other than that, you know, that that, that the strikers as a Hore guy, um, it didn't. He didn't offer too much of a threat. He, he seemed to have a really bad game, and I kind of fear for them long term based on the fact that they they seem even more impotent up front than than we are at the minute. But uh, no, I, it doesn't surprise me that Rafa did what he did, and I think in the last sort of half an hour of the game, bar for the red, you know, the red card scuppered these plans. But I think we we, we would have gone for it more. But the red card meant that Rondon couldn't come on. Muto came on to sort of stretch the defence a bit, but I mean, Perez had a good had a good first half, so yeah, it, it was it was tricky. I, I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I think the, the red card actors and, and injuries actors, it, 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 you know, Rafa can't legislate for that. Norman, I'm going to come to you then on on Perez. Um, 
and and, and Hoss, let's talk about the the, the, the striking options then. Um, <clears throat> I think I think every fan would have preferred to see Rondon start, or most fans. Um, but Hosselu was given the nod. I, I I worry for Perez a bit because there seems to be no link up play between the two of them. And I thought Hosselu had a really poor game yesterday. He had a really good game against Spurs, but I thought. When the ball did come to him, and he did manage to get possession in terms of holding up, he didn't manage to find a black and white shirt, and that that really harms the team because the ball just comes back relentlessly. And there was a couple of really poor bits of possession. And I think Perez miss, misses Dwight Gale at the minute because there's no space. You know, Gale would push a defence back, and Perez can fill in the hole. Whereas Hoslu's coming shorter to to he'd be hide long balls ultimately, and we'll talk about that in a minute as well. How much we're missing Lejeune and how we could potentially or Rafa could potentially change that, but. You know, I've seen some criticism of Perez, um, Norman. So, your thoughts on the front two and whether you would you would change them for Chelsea? I would. I wouldn't change Perez, but I'd, I'd um, bring Rondon in for Hosselu. And, and look, I'm not. I'm not. Um, this isn't a criticism of Hosselu. I think he was excellent against Spurs. He wasn't. He wasn't quite at the races yesterday, but then you know you could say that about quite uh, quite a few of the players. Um, it was more of a, a kind of. As Adam says, the the things that Rafa had legislated for, they got they they're going to impact on the on the performance on the pitch. And um, uh, you know, Hosselu was quiet, but most of his teammates were. I just think that Rondon um, is a, a more direct player, and I think he's probably got a better chance of building up a relationship with Perez um, than Hosselu. Hosselu and Perez they've played up front on on numerous occasions, and it's just never worked. There's clearly that link just clearly isn't there. Um, so I think the sooner we get Rondon in the side, the sooner those two can start working each other out. And I think it could it could be a very fruitful partnership. Um, even yesterday, interestingly, when he when he brought Muto on, I was kind of hoping that he would maybe bring Muto on for Hosselu. Um, when, I, when I saw Muto on the sidelines, I thought, well, maybe he'd take Hosselu off. Because as you mentioned, the relationship you have with Dwight Gale, um, Muto is probably more similar to Dwight Gale in his movement than, um, than he is to... Than he is to Hosselu, and I, and I thought that 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 could have worked at stretching Carlos back forward, but it it wasn't to be. But um, I think yeah, I, th- I think I would really like to see Rondon in the side as soon as possible and given a given a run of five or six games to to get up to speed and to develop that partnership with Perez because um there there is potential there because they're both good players and I don't think any criticism for Perez yesterday would be justified. Really, it was just a, um it was just a one of those days where again a lot of, a lot of things that had been planned pre match just didn't. They didn't work. They didn't work out say, the way they were meant to. As I mentioned before, I think Perez looked the, our most likely to score in the first half. So I, I, I really can't understand almost any criticism of him. You mm. know, it's uh, he, he had he got into some really good positions, um, and I thought Etheridge was really, really looked really, really sharp, particularly in the in the first half, and kept us at bay. You know, I, on Hosselu in, in the Rondon, obviously what Rondon brings is a. a more intelligent movement and 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 passing and his and just his all round play. As you said, Norman's a lot more direct and you know, had it not been for circumstances earlier in the game, no doubt we would have seen him. And I think I think it might have cost us, you know, that kind of j- just someone who could just finish one of those moves. Because once we conversely when we went down to ten men, as, as you mentioned, Alex, we actually looked a lot more in control and we looked at you know, we really came into our own second half once we were down to ten men. It was really funny one. Absolutely, I I thought that when when we went down to ten, um, we started taking the game to Cardiff. I thought from where I was watching anyway, um, started um, pushing them back, and it was it was almost like um, they didn't know they were already struggling. It sounds daft, but I thought they were struggling having more possession than us. Um, they're used to playing more without the ball I think um, and then that only made things worse for them when they, they were like given even more even more opportunity to have possession I think it, 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 it they just they lost the way completely and the, the the opportunity that they had to, to dominate the game passed them by absolutely yeah I think Carlos' problem was once that first 15 minutes was out of the way and they're hiding three or four balls in the box and I think Modi Armia was clearing a lot with his head Um that was it, wasn't it really? They had to then try and get the ball out wide. And we're going to talk about full backs and Mankio got rinsed a couple of times by Murphy, but it didn't it didn't go anywhere because because inevitably, like these kind of players, and Jacob Murphy's a little bit like that. The first bit, this is a very typical, I'd say, championship player. They can they've got the pace and the skill, but then they're going to put a, a ball into the box that only could be one in five times. And once that tactic was clearly coming up with, you know, very little 
results for Cardiff, uh, particularly when we went down to 10 men, they kind of think, well, shit, whatever, <laughs> how we're going to break these down because, and they're going to struggle this season because a lot of teams can defend balls into the box. And, you know, be, as I said, I think the the real test of Cardiff will be at, at Huddersfield next week. I mean, if they, if they lose that game, then they're in for a long season. Um, Norman, I want to come back to you because there was a few a few people critical of Diarme yesterday. I thought, um, you know, he's probably, in my opinion, he, he hasn't really got up to speed yet in terms of on the ball. He's been a little bit careless in possession. However, he's still, you know, making more tackles than any other player during the game. He was he was very important against a side like Cardiff, who were very physical. Because, you know, we've got a, a suggestion here that from um, from Finbar saying should Key get a chance in midfield to help us keep the ball better? I presume he means instead of Diarme, not Shelby. So, your thoughts on that one, Norman? Um, I, can, I can understand why people want to see Key. I mean, I, I'd like to see Key at some point because I think he's a really, really intelligent player. Um, but in that game yesterday, I think, you know, like you say, Diarmé is not up to speed with his, with his distribution. Um, but the reality is that's that's always probably going to be the weakest part of his game or it is the weakest part of his game. Um, and he is, I think he's always going to be kind of inconsistent with his, with his passing. Um, but what he gives us in a, in a physical sense is, is absolutely vital and it's especially vital against... Um, Against that Cardiff side last yesterday, if you look at, if you look at their midfield, who did they have in? They had um, Harry Arter um, in the middle, and uh, that Camarasa. They're just a, they're just a very physical side, and 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 that didn't we weren't bothered by that yesterday at all. Um, I think they'll rough up quite a lot of teams, and that just wasn't the case with us yesterday. And I think a big reason behind that is because Diarmi is there, just um, just as that kind of huge physical barrier. So uh, he's he's passing off. I think that'll come. You know. It, It'll it'll come it'll go it'll come it'll go. That's just the kind of the player he is in terms of in terms of that distribution. But his physicality is so so important, um, especially in a say like Newcastle where we're not we're not going to be on the front foot all the time. Um, and I thought his midfield partner. Yes, I thought. I, I mean, you know, again, I was at the match and yeah, yeah, the way you perceive it, it being at the match, you know, yeah, because you're there because you're supporting his side, you kind of see it do really biased eyes a lot of the time. But I thought um, I thought Shelby was really good yesterday, and and I think Shelby Shelby's kind of levels of maturity since coming back last Christmas have just gone through the roof. It's like a, he's like a, psychologically a completely transformed player. Um, so I can't really fault I can't really fault the centre midfield yesterday. I don't know I don't know what you lads what you lads thought. I just want to jump in there and 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 back up what you've said about Shelby there. I mean for me. Uh, I mentioned that I thought Kennedy was man of the match against Spurs, but Shelby was ran him very close second. I think Shelby was the best man in the park yesterday, uh, certainly for us. Um, Harry Otter did have a good game despite his kick out as well. But he, um, he, what you mentioned there, Norman, about his levels of maturity, he's, he's starting to take responsibility. You know, you look at it. You look at what happened this time last season when he got sent off and he was injured for that second game, and now he's come in. Sorry, he was suspended for that second game. And now he's he's producing performances that are is attacking play is is excellent. He's creating chances. He's he's producing attacking third passes. You know more so than any other player. But it's it's the defensive uh, duties that he's really taking a hold of. Like I remember against Spurs, he was he was charging down the goalkeeper because he was he just he wanted us to do the high press and he was almost looking around to saying well why isn't anybody else putting this much effort in and it was great to see him leading from the front he's becoming a bit more of a leader and it's the leader that Rafa wants to see but his I mean his defensive performance I mean I've just got some stats here I mean he, in terms of all the players on the park yesterday he completed the most passes he created the most chances he was uh, fourth in terms of uh, attacking third passes but he was the highest Newcastle player um, second in terms of number of crosses and his ball recoveries, he was he was he was top. He was he, he, most ball recoveries on the pitch yesterday. Like that just shows again, as I mentioned with the stats with Kennedy from last week, uh, a really rounded performance from what is a very important player for us. He started the season excellently, and and long may it continue. Every, a lot more of our players could take a look at John Joe Shelby and and, and you know for, for for inspiration because he's absolutely smashing at the minute. I think he was uh, <clears throat> he was thriving on the booze from the the home fans as well, wasn't <laughs> yes, he? Yeah, X X ones of course. So um, I think he was uh, pressed on even more by that. Like he, he seemed to be really thriving under that sort of pressure. I thought. Yes. What, what was said? About, sorry, Alex. Just to dive in about Diarmi as well. I think what, what Norman mentions is correct. You know, I think you know even Diarmi is just 
presence is um, is very important for us in terms of you know we're not going to get bullied when Diarm is on the pitch. He did have um, in terms of uh, Newcastle players, he had the most blocks and the most tackles on the pitch. So you know he did he have a poor game maybe by his very high standards from last season, but he still put a shift in and he was still very important in us securing a clean sheet and an away point yesterday. I mean, we only won four, we only, we only picked up sixteen away points last season. Um, so it's 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 not like unlike us to, to to go away from and get beaten. Well, I want to come on to you in a sec about the defence and various aspects of it. But at the end of the day, it's almost like you know people are talking about the worst game they've ever seen. It was a really bad football game. I mean, it, it was you know Championship League One standard in terms of the passing and the movement. It was so poor. However, I don't see that game as any different to Burnley away last season, to Huddersfield away last season, to Brighton away last season, even to Palace at home which were on the right side of terrible game it was hardly a yeah, shot in the match terrible. and then you win in the 90th minute and then wear out in town after me in the last because <laughs> it's like we're fifth or something like that <laughs> and it's just like you, we're still that type of team we're good. there's going to be more of those games this season and if we could pick up you know in those four fixes I just described there or three the ones we got beat if we can pick up a point then, that's, then it's progress so I'd rather in those games keep a clean sheet and get, take something from the game because it was, and I was at all those games last season. It was hugely frustrating, particularly the likes of Brighton Huddersfield when it was almost like we're we never really, we, we never caused them problems, and you know we did cause Cardiff problems yesterday. Now maybe Cardiff are going to be much worse side than Brighton Huddersfield last season. I don't, I'm not sure, but but maybe you know you look at Watford doing the double overs last season. They finished 16th or something like that. We did lose games against very bad teams last season, and we played a very bad team yesterday and picked up a point. Maybe that's too positive, but it's, I'm going to take the positives out of it because it's the second game of the season. There's still a lot of football to be played. I'm seeing a lot of people saying we're going to lose the next however many games. Well, someone tweeted us this morning and correctly said it would just be like Newcastle United to go and beat Chelsea. After all the hype and negativity and <laughs> angst and frustration that we've all shared because it's still hugely frustrating not to be sat here talking about three points and a win. Um, but you know there are some positives if you can look for them. But I'm I'm also going to throw in another thing as well because one of the th- one of the aspects from last season that I picked up on stats wise was that and I've, I've mentioned this so many times on this pod is that you know 48 percent of our shots last season were taken outside the box and we only scored about five uh, goals outside the box. So the way that we, the way that we were playing and maybe it was about the, the personnel or whatever um, against Spurs we only had one shot on target inside the box. Um, even though we came so close to actually uh, to, to equalising. Yesterday, against Cardiff, of our six shots on target out of 12 attempts, five of them were inside the box, and the one from outside the box was that Shelby free kick, which you know just probably needed a bit more whip and a bit more uh, precision in the corner. But you know the idea that f- five of our shots were taken inside the box is, is really good progress from last season because we weren't, we weren't hitting that sort of uh, p- percentage of shots inside the box at all last season. So, I mean, it's it's obviously indicative of the uh, the, the the drop in quality in terms of from you know compared to, from Spurs' defence down to Cardiff's defence, and the fact that we were allowed forty nine percent possession away from home, which again seldom happened last season as well. So I think th- those stats do. Um, say more about Cardiff's quality than maybe our play, but it's it's still encouraging that we went out there and we've we're creating chances and and chances where that lead to shots in the box, which is ultimately what is going to that, that's you know that's the percentage to work towards that's going to get your goals shots in the box. Okay, well, so um, Rob, let's finish off on the defence. Um, kind of a big talking point. We've had quite a few people in touch. Whatever AD in touch, and Lejeune is is. Almost um, as important to our defence as Lascelles. So frustrating to watch Clark's little skip before a long ball that rarely hits the target. One of our biggest problems yesterday. Um, and we also had a comment, um, you know, very similar lines saying from Sean saying, our dreadful long balls that are 50-50 balls at best means Lejeune's passing is a massive loss. Must be hard to be a winger in that team and always have to beat two men to find space. Um, and, and Chris as well saying Yedlin is a better player than he's given credit for. He was poor against Spurs, but they have world-class players they know his weaknesses as an ex-teammate. We really missed him yesterday against a poor card of side. Okay, let's, let's address the first of those before we talk about fullbacks. Um, how I think I don't know if it was you or Norman, but said that he thought Clark was having a really good game yeah, yesterday. Yeah, I did. So, do you think therefore that he, he keeps his place against Chelsea, or do you think it's time because, as the the guys rightly say there on social media, that you know we can't retain possession, we keep giving the ball away, and Clark's sixty-yard balls seem to be heading out of play. Like, what would you do? 
I think a lot of that will come down to uh, the fitness of uh, Cher and Fernandez. Um, how up to speed they are with Clark and Lascelles. Obviously, Lascelles will keep his place, but Clark did play well against Cardiff. He was he was getting his head on a lot of clearances in the box. Uh, he made some really important block tackles and um, around the edges of our box as well. Um, I've not, I've never been Kieran Clark's biggest fan as a Premier League defender, but I have, I, honestly, I think he, he was he was uh, outstanding yesterday in terms of his defensive contribution. Um, I would agree that his distribution is nowhere near Lejeune's. Um, I haven't seen enough of Cher yet to uh, to know whether. He is a uh, you know acceptable sort of replacement for for Clark if you want in better distribution. Um, although by Cher's own admission in his first interview on NUFC NUFC TV, he was saying um, I think he was asked like what what is your best attribute, and he he, he said he um, his, his distribution is is probably his his, his best um, skill. So I, I think he, he he probably will stick with Clark. Just, just because he has played well, you know, essentially defensively, that's that's what a defender's there to do. That's that's your, that's your core, that's your bread and butter, isn't it? That's what you're there for. Distribution kind of comes after that. Um, so I think I think you'll stick with Clark for for the Chelsea match. I've got some stats for you to back up what you Go said on, about man. Clark there. So um, six ball recoveries uh, yesterday. That's the third best on the on the pitch from Kieran Clark. Um, in terms of his clearances, he managed six, which was uh, joint third best alongside Lascelles. Headed clearances, second best on the park, ahead of Lascelles, and defensive aerial duels, six out of nine, second best on the park. Mm. So, yeah, in terms of his aerial prowess and getting clearances in and those interceptions, Clark had a really yeah, good game. Yeah, I, I would say it's probably the best, one of the best Premier League games I've seen him play for us. Let's talk about fullback, and I'll go to Norman for this one. Um, we've got a question here from Julian Javier Manquillo, football enigma or not? You, you know, I mean, I've rarely ever seen a player criticised so much for a 45-minute performance. I mean, Rob's shaking his head, so I'm going to come to Rob. Um, your take from someone who was out of the game, Norman? Um, look, I feel like I've, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm probably um, on on podcast defending Man more than more than I anticipated I would be before you know when we first signed him. Um, I'm never, I, I, I would never see he's you know he's one of the best players I've ever seen at Newcastle. Of course, he isn't. He's a he's a fairly middling squad player. Um, yesterday came up against someone who was exceptionally quick. Um, if that had been Yedlin there yesterday, Murphy wouldn't have got any of the joy that he got um, against you know against our right hand side the pitch. Um, and like you say, Murphy skinned Mankey a few times, but his final product it didn't really matter that he had. Um, I still think defensively yesterday he got he had to do a lot of work. Richie surprised me yesterday. I don't think Richie gave him much support. Um, that's that that's what was evident to me in the first half. Kind of watching it from our viewpoint as well. Obviously we were. Um, so Dubravka was at Iron in the first half, and you know you got to see the kind of space on on our right hand side, and there was just a huge gap between Richie and uh, and Mankiu, and that might be okay when Yedlin's playing because of Yedlin's pace, um, but it really hampered Mankiu yesterday. So he did look he did look very poor, but I don't think it was all his fault necessarily, and also um, his tackling is better than Hayden's, and I think you know once. Once Mankiu went for half, once Mankiu, once once Mankiu went off at half time, and, and Hayden came on. It just uh, you know, so I suppose you had people saying that maybe Yedlin's injured. Let's bring Hayden right back. There was a, there was a, you know, I know of a few people who said that, um, but I think yesterday was kind of indicative that you, why you can't play Hayden at right back. And actually, Mankiu, like, it, what more can I say? Really, you know, he was he, he wasn't great yesterday, but he wasn't the, he wasn't as terrible as what people make out. I just think he he came up against a very quick tricky opponent and he wasn't getting much support and that's that's what ultimately made him look as bad as he did I, th- I think um, it was quite obvious I don't know if you agree Norman mm-hmm. but um, Cardiff had identified our right back position as a weak spot um, which again as, as you say Richie not, not coming further back to help Mankio given his lack of pace compared to Yedlin was quite surprising I thought Richie would play deeper Um they they were they really pushed up against um, Mankiu and, and made his life difficult yesterday, which probably didn't help the fact that he, he looked like he had a poor game. Um, I think you have to remember as well that this is his first game in in the first team for quite a while, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, in terms of being able to match speed and form, um, 
then it was, it was obviously unfortunate he's picked up that injury at um, do you, four, do you think, half time. You know, you mentioned about Richie not getting back to um, support uh, Mankiel in terms of defensive duties. Do you think that had anything to do with the fact that Richie got such an early book and that he was almost too scared to tackle? Do you think that was an issue? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm, not, I'm asking. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that Richie's the kind of player that when he, I think he thought he could have a lot of joy himself against that Cardiff team, um, and the fact that we were so limited in attack for so much of the game, even though that we, we, you know we're still solid at the back, it wasn't like we were you know defensive or anything. But I just think. I don't think he's a good defensive partner anyway, even, even for Yedlin. You saw the goal against Spurs last week. You know, Someone tweeted us before saying Yedlin was at fault for yeah. that goal. I think Richie's yeah. at fault yeah. for that goal because Richie is tracking Deli Alli. That's he's, true. And he's just and he just stops. And he, and he stops. Yeah. He does, just yeah. doesn't mean yeah. that Yedlin sh- shouldn't do better, which he should. But and I remember that Watford game last season when you know the, Watford just destroyed our right side. So Matt Richie isn't, you know, having said, having said that, it isn't, you know, Matt Ritchie's job to make Javi Mankio look like a better footballer. Um, I, 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 just, I, I don't think he'd have been taken off at half-time Mankio. I think he was an idiot. To, he got booked over nout. He got booked over absolutely nothing. In fact, when he got booked, I think Murphy had his back to goal. So that was really frustrating. That was more frustrating because sometimes... Wasn't there a shirt? Some, I think there was a, sh- a massive shirt pull, though. There was just before that, but it seemed like the ref played on. So maybe he was going back. But if, if he doesn't give away that next foul, he might get away with it. Um, you know, sometimes fullbacks get skinned. Paul Dummett got skinned in the second half by, by one of their players. He got turned inside out. The, the important thing is that, and this, this is very much Rafa's win, draw, lose as a team, is that someone else steps in and, and will defend the cross, will defend the next bit. So as, as, as shaky as Mankio was yesterday, we didn't concede any goals because of it. We, you know, it, it didn't necessarily, well, it didn't damage the team. And I don't think he went off, well, we know he went off because he's got a bad injury. And it was a bad tackle, like you correctly said, Adam. So, it's it's he wasn't the worst performing right back no. in that game for Newcastle United. <laughs> I think we've just about got through anything, lads. I mean, fifty minutes on on that game of football. Uh, you know that I was not expecting that, but thanks very much for all of your time. Um, thanks for watching on the on the the True Faith YouTube channel, which is this is currently being recorded live. As we say, uh, if you like what we do, get uh, six extra shows per week on Patreon. Um, you know you can stream through all of your usual podcast players. Um, or the Patreon app, and it keeps this podcast going free of charge. So, thanks. We've got loads uh, coming up this week, and then probably we'll be back straight after the game next Sunday, um, or we'll be Chelsea 3 0 again. Cheers. Cheers. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.